0: Hello, DirtCast listeners. This is Madeline Davies back again to talk to you about celebrity gossip, which we all care about too much. But we also care about other things because we are smart, intelligent people who can balance a lot of thoughts at once. We have a very great episode ahead this week on the podcast. We have... Our friends, Viviana Olin and Matt Harkins back, they are the founders of the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan 1994 Museum. And they have a really funny exhibit up right now, which is Yama Kippie a celebration of Kim Cattrall at their new actual storefront in Brooklyn that you should all go to.
1: We ask when you take a picture in the photo booth that you face Kim, and then we take a picture of the back of your head. Because it's not about you, it's about Kim.
0: In the studio, we have Kate Nibs, a writer for The Ringer, who is going to be joining us both to talk about the dirtiest dirt of the week, as well as her expertise on why the Kardashians are failing to get the ratings that they once got.
2: Hi, Maddie. Hi. I wrote for Jezebel once, too. Yeah.
0: Tell everybody (laughs) what you wrote for Jezebel.
2: Oh, it was just a little piece about a sex position I made up, um... That I've still never actually done. Uh, right.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's still like in beta testing. Honestly. Yeah.
2: It's more yeah. a theory of sex position. Sure. Yeah.
0: And what was it called?
2: Um, The Eiffel 69. Do
0: you want right. to explain what <laughs> happens?
2: I don't even know if I can explain it without like drawing a picture.
0: Um. <laughs> Basically, it was like two people 69ing. Yes. And then also being spit roasted yes <laughs> while uh the spit roasters clasped hands yeah. to create like a, a tower it was a four-person
2: sex position so. yeah it was really elegant thank you <laughs> uh,
0: very Perry oh
2: yeah much
0: um, so the first thing i want to talk about is the new lana del rey song that she wrote at, driving home from coachella in the woods
2: you know, if you told me she had written it in any other circumstance, I would be shocked.
0: <laughs> right, you're like, what? <laughs> el- where else did she like write She definitely all music? wrote
2: it driving home from Coachella. I think she probably just, like, said it to somebody and they wrote it down. Like, I don't think she had a pen and paper.
0: No, or she just, like, used a voice app. <laughs> like, she just kind of, like, droned it, like, huh na, no, Coachella.
2: Isn't it comparing Coachella to Woodstock
0: in, yes. like, her
2: laconic drawl? Sleeping, I might have an opiate addiction voice. So this
0: song is Coachella Woodstock in my mind.
3: your way I trade it and she's
0: positing that like Coachella is the modern day Woodstock to her to her in her mind yeah we know this it's in her mind
2: I appreciate that like at least she's not I, trying to argue that Coachella is everyone's Woodstock because that would yeah. be insane I don't know I've I like Lana Del rey but I don't know if I fully get her and I've never gotten her less than like
0: listening to this song like yeah I, I, don't I like know. her too and I can't here's I think the interesting thing about Lana Del Rey is that she really should not still be around, like, considering the amount of backlash she's gotten based on, like, a pretty short career.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And she's a survivor, man. She is the most boring survivor. (laughs) Right. But it's just, like, it's crazy to me that, like, she kind of outlasted the criticism of herself, like, after her really embarrassing SNL performance, like— yeah, Ashley Simpson didn't do that. No,
2: she definitely is definitely better than Ashley Simpson. Um, if I could say one thing about Lana Del I'll say mm-hmm. that. Also, <laughs> I'm, like, really fascinated by her sister. Are you aware of her sister? Um, no. Okay, so they just—I think, like, the New York Times did a a profile of her. Her sister's name is Chuck, and she's a beautiful woman, and she's a celebrity photographer. And now I follow her on Instagram, and <laughs> I'm, like— Not entirely clear what she's going for either, but it's fascinating. And she does, like, Instagram stories. I don't know.
0: You should look her up. I will. Yeah. So our uh, new pop culture reporter, Hazel Sills, Mm -hmm. put forward a very good argument today, which is that, like, at least Lana Del Rey is kind of trying to be specific in her activism. Like, this song is sort of about how, like, the world is falling apart, Mm -hmm. and she had spent this really blissful, utopia weekend at Coachella, and then on the way home was like, oh, no, Syria, you know, like, (laughs) oh, North Korea. And, like, so she's trying. Get me back to Coachella. Right, like, if only we could all be at Coachella.
2: I I guess... I guess that's good for her, but Catella still sounds really horrible to me. Like, Oh, God. I would much rather go to Woodstock simply because of the location. Like, I'm not into getting dust in my eyes while I listen to
0: any music. Right. You just want to get, like, trench foot. Yeah. Trench foot while, like, on a terrible acid trip.
2: (laughs) I would rather be, like, covered in mud than covered in dust.
0: Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Better for your skin. Definitely. Um. Woodstock, like, it's... It wasn't run by, like, a golden voice, you know? It's not—it was a very different vibe, we yeah. can
2: say, pretty safely. You know, I'm really curious, like, if she's going to extend these, like, concert festival metaphors, like, would she write a song called, like, Firefest? Fest— Altamont in my mind like (laughs) (laughs) I want to know I want this to like go a step further
0: yeah she should just do like kind of how Sufjan does like the state themed album or like was going to do the state themed albums she can just do the different music festivals I wouldn't be opposed to that (laughs) well it's kind of just like a part of this is what Hazel was saying is that like Lana at least is trying to have a point of view where there's Mm -hmm. sort of all of these really vague political anthems out right now where Mm -hmm. there's like Harry Styles, Sign of the Times Mm -hmm. which I think, uh, literally just like has a line that was like, we gotta talk to each other. <laughs>
3: we don't
1: talk enough. We should open
3: up it's all too much.
0: You've seen, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, right? Yes. It's very like all this snow, like when he does the song, like we got to do something. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even realize that like the Katy Perry Chain to the Rhythm song was meant to be political in any way. And then I read the lyrics and I (laughs) I get that. I mean, good on her for acknowledging that we're living in a bubble bubble. (laughs) They are like the most generic protest songs to the point that like, I don't even know if they should be called protest songs. They are just yeah. all this snow. I don't know.
0: Well, and I think Harry, like, said to the New York Times, like, it's just about what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I want to say that about, like, every blog I write when someone's like, what's your thesis? I'm like, well, it's just about yeah. what's going on it's right now. just
2: my perspective. Coachella in my mind.
0: Coach- <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, Coachella in your mind?
2: I'd, a hellhole, but
0: yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. It's like being stuck on a train platform for 40 minutes and there's like no way out because the stairs are too full.
2: Oh, yeah. No, actually, I'd rather go to Coachella than do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'd rather go to an yeah. expensive concert experience. Yes.
2: Yeah. Mm. I don't know if there are any
0: truly good protest songs made anymore. It's hard, right? I mean, I guess it's like, uh, I don't know, like, we're going to be all right. The mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar song is pretty good. Yes, that's true. But that's the only one that... And I'm sure, like, people are going to be like, you forgot mm-hmm. all of these. And it's just like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Of course well, I did.
2: Yeah, I guess I i I have, like, a really narrow definition of, in my mind of what a protest song is. Because, right. like, you could see a lot of great contemporary songs. Like, Formation could be a protest song. Yeah. And, like, Beyonce used imagery that was related to, like, the Black Panthers and stuff. That could be construed as a protest song. But... I don't know. I feel like right. there's no good explicit protest songs.
0: Right. Like there's no like war. What is it good for? Yeah. Absolutely but nothing. But then
2: when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if there's any good protest songs. This might be a controversial opinion. But like, I don't like, <laughs> I don't think they're like Bob Dylan's best for me is not his protest music. What about like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? Yeah, I like the, the one that they sing about the house.
0: Yes, yes. House Coachella in my mind. I just don't (laughs) Woodstock in my mind.
2: Woodstock in my mind is apparently boring. (sighs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know. It's it's Lana Del Rey boring. I guess. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of celebrities and politics, Mm -hmm. The Rock really wants to run for president.
2: I don't want him
0: to. (laughs) I do not either. I love The Rock. Oh, I mean.
2: I'm a human being. I love The Rock. He has more charisma than probably any other person alive. But he should not run for president. And I'm, like, getting very concerned that we will never have another president who isn't a celebrity.
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh. It's going to—the next one will just be, like, Derek Jeter, Tom <laughs> Brady. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Tom Brady
2: would—I would rather have The Rock than Tom Brady for sure, but— the Rock has no political qualifications. And, you know, he seems like a great guy, but I just really don't like
0: He's sort of the equivalent of like a Harry Styles protest song where it's like, this is just about—I like everybody.
2: He does like everybody, and it's charming, but you can't—that's not how you make good policy decisions. No,
0: it is not. <laughs> I mean, so Katie Weaver, uh, mm-hmm. who once wrote for Gawker, is now a staff writer at GQ, who is—she's so funny, and she's so talented, and she's such a great writer— she did this really great profile with The Rock last week, or it was released last week. That just like proved that he is like one of the nicest, most thoughtful people, but also like definitely an insane person.
2: Yeah, it was impossible to walk away from reading that piece without liking The Rock even more. But there, he seemed to be taking the fact that he might run for president seriously. And, yeah. It alarmed me how the reaction on social media and stuff was sort of pro The Rock becoming the leader of America. And I guess like <laughs> he's better than Trump, obviously, but Yeah.
0: I mean like a Kit Kat bar would be better than Trump.
2: Yeah. And I guess he's not like
0: that was offensive to Kit Cats.
2: No. <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I mean like a Kit Kat would obviously be better.
2: Like, do you do you have any celebrities that you genuinely think would be a good president?
0: Oh my gosh. No. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, I don't want anybody cool. I mean, I guess, like, Obama is the coolest I think the president should get.
2: Yeah. Not I that think he was anyone actually... considers
0: Trump cool, but, like, no. I want, like, the law nerd yeah. to be doing this. Like, I don't know. I want someone who's, like, studied constitutional law, is maybe not super charismatic.
2: I want someone very ugly to be our president next.
0: <laughs> A hideous yes. ghoul. yeah. All right, I'm for it. <laughs> Just a blanket, ugly president. Yeah, um, I we would haven't like, had one in a while. No, I mean, I'm, like, did you think George Bush was hot?
2: Um, which one?
0: <laughs> I'm 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 a gape that we have to specify. Um, all right, we'll start with uh, W. I,
2: okay, I don't think W was hot, but I don't. He he had charisma.
0: Right, I don't um, think you can win without having yeah. something.
2: I think he was ugly. You'd have a beer
0: with him, as yeah. Said.
2: I I don't think either the bushes were ugly. Clinton was unfortunately attractive. Um, Bill,
0: was it just like that he could play the saxophone? You were into that.
2: Yeah, he seemed. To-
0: <laughs> <laughs> he'd take you to McDonald's.
2: Yeah, he then had- he'd play the sax. He was he was
0: attractive in like a pervy way. Not Reagan. You would like.
2: Reagan was good looking when he was younger, right? Yeah,
0: with well, any. I don't think there was an, jelly beans. Like
2: the ugliest recent president was Ford. Yeah, and I guess Nixon. Okay, so we're using all right.
0: <laughs> I can see what you're saying.
2: I want someone like I want a Taft in office. <laughs> Although, I, actually, I guess Trump is like the most.
0: Yeah, there you go. You got what you wanted. You got an ugly president. And you know who he is? He's Donald Trump. You rolled this into being. I have to rethink this. If anybody has, like, upset or hate mail for Donald Trump, just send it to Kate Nibbs.
2: No, I I take back everything I said because Trump is very unattractive. I want an
0: unattractive non-celebrity president. Yeah, you would, like, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. I would like to read just like the intro to Katie's piece because it just is like such an intense description, Um, which is when Dwayne Johnson meets you, and I can assure you he would love to, the first thing he will do is ask you 6,000 questions about yourself and remember the answers forever. If you were a child, good luck getting past Dwayne Johnson without a high five or some simulated roughhousing. If you're in a wheelchair, prepare for a Beowulf-style epic poem about your deeds and bravery composed extemporaneously delivered to Johnson's Instagram audience of 85 million people. If you're dead, having shuffled off your mortal coil before you even got a chance to meet Dwayne Johnson, that sucks. Rest in peace knowing that Dwayne Johnson genuinely misses you.
2: I mean, that makes me kind of want to vote for him for president, but is that a good thing?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he also is one of those people who just, like, he, like, attended the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention, where yeah. he's just like, hey, guys, I'm just here for everybody. Yeah. we, I mean, we can say unequivocally that he is not qualified to lead a country, but when has that stopped us before? Never. I don't Never. think <laughs>
2: ever. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, yeah, I mean, I would rather him, him be president than Trump. I would rather him be president than— Susan Sarandon Um,
0: (laughs) And (laughs) at least we know that he Can drive an ambulance Off of an overpass That's true uh, And save the world A la Fast and Furious 5 That's true On um, the rumor that Avril Lavigne has died,
2: I love this conspiracy uh, theory persists. I love it so much, and I wish all conspiracy theories would be like Avril Lavigne is dead because right. it's so specific and harmless. I mean, I guess it's not harmless to Avril Lavigne because it probably messes up whatever um, I don't know public persona she's going for. But
0: like in that she appears alive instead yeah. of dead, like we were like we thought you were going to be a ghost. Uh,
2: yeah, but it's one of my favorite dumb celebrity conspiracy theories. And one of the reasons why I hate like pizza gay in the way that there's all like this horrible, horrible Sandy Hook truthers and like the rise of Alex Jones is because it's made liking conspiracy theories much harder
0: to do without right. feeling bad. Like Yeah, you're like, Oh, this actually has like long term effects that are really damaging. Yeah, <laughs> like
2: I I still Get a kick out of Avril Lavigne is dead. And I still...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe that she died in 2003 and has been replaced with a body double?
2: I don't, but I (laughs) love that that idea exists and people are, you know, they're really creating a narrative and
0: it's storytelling. Do you think... If you were a celebrity and there were death rumors about you, and Mm -hmm. it's always like it latches onto certain people, right, where there's like Fred Savage death rumors all the time. (laughs) There's Avril death rumors. Do you think you would think it was funny?
2: I think it would depend on how secure I was. (laughs) Like Devin Sawa, there's a rumor that he died too. Yeah. The guy from Casper. You don't have to tell me (laughs) who
0: Devin Sawa is. (laughs) Um, Was I not? Ten years old, yeah,
2: and in nineteen ninety seven. I think if I was like a Devon Sawa level celebrity, I would be sad that people thought I was dead. Yeah, and because I would want people to know I was still alive. But if I if I wanted to get out of the public eye, or I felt
0: good about my career, I wouldn't mind it. You're like good. I'm yeah. glad that you think I'm dead.
2: Yeah, I would play into
0: it. Maybe here here's why I don't feel bad for Devon Sawa. <laughs> um, there is a rumor that is very likely based on timeline mm-hmm. um that this part's not a rumor danielle Fischel mm-hmm. of boy meets world oh yeah better I known know. as topanga. topanga she like filed a domestic violence report against a boyfriend who at the time mm-hmm. it lines up was probably devon sawa no yeah
2: are you are you ruining devon sawa for me
0: right now right sorry now <laughs> and then okay. we'll never be the same no. um but that was like one of the things where. It, it makes me very like you get what you deserve. Sawa. Are you sure
2: it wasn't the guy who played Eric on Save or Boy Meets World because they look a lot alike?
0: Yeah, no, it was just Eric. Okay, <laughs> my
2: mistake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't drag Sawa's name through the mud in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, okay. Devin. And again, I this is like not been proven. It just is like a thing that like the timelines do match up.
2: That's scandalous. I know. Shit.
0: Um. Did you see the email that Steve Harvey sent his staff?
2: I did see the email, and i I had some conflicting emotions about it. Because on the one hand, I like get where he's coming from a little bit. It sounds really annoying to have people constantly coming up to you. Maybe he did need a little peace of mind. Right. It's I like think- sort
0: of break it down. This was a, an email he sent to his staff. Yes. Where he basically was like, "Never approach me without an appointment."
2: He didn't communicate his needs in a very elegant manner.
0: Yes. He says there will be no meetings in my dressing room, no stopping by or popping in, and then in all caps, no one. <laughs> uh, do not come to my dressing room unless invited. I'm so confused about all these people who are like seeking out Steve Harvey's just, like, counsel. In. Like
2: if I <laughs> he doesn't seem very wise. I know he wrote a self-help book, but it it's—I've never read it either. It was, like, think like a man, act like a lady.
0: Yeah, then the, the movie, they, like, spun off. Uh, yeah. Think like he a man like and th- think like a man, too.
2: Yeah, he sounds like someone with horrible advice. So I'm, yeah. like—he I'm. I. He sounded very rude. His note was very rude. But I think it's going to be best for everyone because yeah. now all these poor people that work for him aren't going to get horrible life advice from Steve Harvey.
0: Right, or maybe it's just, like, fine, like, you didn't want to hear these notes— this show is bad now because yeah. you are a dick.
2: What show is he on?
0: He just has a show. I think it's just called The Steve Harvey Show. So um, he's wearing
2: a lot of hats. Yes. He's a busy guy.
0: He's also, like, a, not a great person. Like a I lot mean, he of his, wrote a book yeah. called Think Like a Man, Act Like a Lady. Yeah. And a lot of his, like, advice on his show, he does, like, a lot of relationship mm. stuff. He's a real Really, Devin like, boils sour. down to, like, being, like, do what your husband asks, you know? Yeah, I think the less people that talk to Steve Harvey, the better. Yeah, I think you're right. There, He did um, a an interview with, with uh, I almost said Stephen King, with Larry King, <laughs> if only it was Stephen King. I would watch that. Yeah, with Larry King several years ago where he said something about how he doesn't trust non-Christians because he was like, if you don't believe in the Bible, mm-hmm. how do you even have a center of morality? Like— how do you even know what morality is if you don't believe in the Bible? And I was just like, maybe, does that make me a better person in that, like, I come to my own conclusions about, mm-hmm. like, I shouldn't hurt another person <laughs> yeah, I without, would... like, using, like, a rule book?
2: Also, like, the Bible is very similar to the Torah and the Quran, so why be so exclusive?
0: yeah <laughs> he
2: could just he could just only trust monotheistic, yeah right like, I don't know. I think it's a very stupid thing to say, regardless theocratic
0: philosophy is deeply flawed, yeah, um, I just can't imagine like going on a news program and being like, if you don't believe in the Bible, you don't have a moral center,
2: I mean, neither can I, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't really believe going on a news program and arguing that if you don't believe in anything, you don't
0: like yeah,
2: it's just crazy,
0: yeah. His response to this whole—his, like, staff email being leaked, too, was just like, yeah, I could have worded it it differently, but Mm -hmm. you guys shouldn't come into my dressing room.
3: I just didn't want to be in this prison anymore where I had to stay in this one little room, scared to go out and take a breath of fresh air without somebody approaching me. So I wrote the letter, man. I don't apologize about the letter. (laughs) Which again is just Fair enough.
0: There, don't go into Steve Harvey's dressing <laughs> Everyone room. Everyone leave
2: him alone. All caps. Let him fade away. Let I would f- love for there to be Steve Harvey death rumors. I want him to achieve that level of obscurity. <laughs> just the
0: rumors.
2: Yeah, no no, just the rumors. Yeah, no. He can he's fine.
0: He can keep he has a lot of money. Yeah. He can just like lean back on
2: He can just lay on a pile of self-help books. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: as like the death rumors swirl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Kate, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit about why I brought you in here. Oh, God. Um, one, it's because we are very good friends and I like you a lot. It's true. The other is because last week you wrote on The Ringer a piece about the Kardashians that was called The Dark Decline of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And I want to talk about that with you. I love talking about the Kardashians, it's much si- to the uh, disappointment of my family. I think that that surprised me about you in a good way. Yeah, I think it was a delightful surprise to be like, "Oh, Nibs has this whole vault of knowledge."
2: Oh yeah, I rewatched a lot of the series before I wrote this piece, and there are many, many episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yeah, (laughs) true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I read most of the books authored by the Kardashian clan. Um, Did you buy those
0: books at Dash?
2: I didn't. I've never been to Dash. You should go. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: they have Arthur George socks.
2: <laughs> I I think I'm just going to let Dash live as an idea in my mind. Yeah, than, that's fair. Yeah, I don't really watch that much reality TV, but I've just weirdly latched onto the Kardashians early. And yeah. What I've, do you think? Why do you think that is? Honestly, I don't know. I really don't like competition reality shows, as right. I, I've told you before, because I feel really bad for the people that lose. So That's I've why never— why I can't
0: watch college sports. Yeah,
2: yeah, me too. <laughs> so I don't watch The Bachelor because I feel bad for the, like, people who don't get the roses. I f- can't watch America's Next Top Model, like, Shark Tank, any of that. I feel too bad for the losers. Kardashians didn't seem to have a loser.
0: You're the loser, right? I'm, That's yeah. a viewer we take on that.
2: <laughs> and also— it. I find it's like establishing shots of California to be very soothing. Um, So that sort of hooked me. And I've also always thought that the show is dark and kind of sad. Yeah. Because in the early seasons, they are all chasing fame like so baldly. And it was just sort of desperate. And that made me feel sad. And then they actually, you know— I was shocked at the level of success they've achieved. Right? Yeah. Like when you go back and watch the first season, like they are not famous. They are working in a retail store. They are like Z-list celebrities, and it's really weird to. They really, they got what they wanted, yeah. and they seem sadder. They seem less happy than they started.
0: That feels like a a fable. Yeah, it's know? like
2: that. It's like that. I don't know if it's actually Oscar Wilde who said it, but there's that like. The, the only thing worse than not getting what your heart desires is getting it. Yeah. And that's, like, that's them to me. I don't know. I mean, I know that they have cute little kids and stuff, but they've had so many bad things happen to them. Like, the story of Rob Kardashian is very sad to me. I don't know what's going on with him. And I don't—but he just seems like he's very miserable. And
0: I yeah. don't,
2: I've long been, like, obsessed with them as this tragic— American Family, and when I found out that the ratings were declining, um, that yeah, sort this of season, yeah, right that, in particular, yeah they they're on a they're on a steep decline. So I think the show might be coming to an end soon, especially because like the new Kylie show is starting, so they might sort of be like cycling out.
0: Right. Um, well, one thing you noted in mm-hmm. your piece is that strangely, it once like as it's getting most most blatantly dark mm-hmm. because of. Kim Kardashian being robbed at gunpoint in yeah. Paris, which genuinely sounds, I mean, it's rare that I'll, like, feel bad for a Kardashian, but I was like, that truly sounds horrible. Yeah,
2: I felt really bad for her. I mean, that's a legitimately traumatic experience. And a lot of them are, like, I felt really bad for Khloe Kardashian when Lamar overdosed.
1: Khloe has been spending every second with Lamar...
3: I think hearing our voices and having family around might make a difference.
2: Like, yeah. they've had legitimately tragic things happen to them. And you would think that the ratings would spike, but their ratings peaks, like the times when audiences have loved the Kardashians is when they have happy things happen to them. That's so like, Their interesting. marriages
0: and their babies are the big draws. That also suggests that most people don't watch to like watch these people fail No, they or they're will, not watching I think, ironically. I
2: think most of the audience really likes them. And I I do think that they have something likable about them. I think it's like they genuinely like each other. Mm-hmm. I think most of the audience connects with the happy stuff and doesn't like the sad stuff, but their lives are sad. And right. that is like the, I think, going to be sort of the reason the show doesn't go on any further. I can see the Kardashians having a rating spike again if, if like Rob... Actually gets his shit together. Yeah. Because I think Rob and China was such a disaster because they were, it was horrible to watch them.
0: It was right. just and they clearly like don't like each other very much.
3: Rob and China got into a big fight. Rob started Snapchatting his thoughts and his feelings, and that's really not like him.
1: I get home and China took the baby, took everything that we built for the nursery for baby dream. So, yeah, I am not feeling so
2: good. I couldn't even—I didn't even finish watching that show, and I'm, like, a completist because I was so sad for them. I was like, this should not be filmed. They need to go to, like, an actual therapist and not one of the TV therapists right?" and, like, figure their shit out. And same with Scott Disick? Disick. Disick. Yeah, I can never pronounce his name. But, like, he seems to have real problems, and it's— It's getting to the point where I feel like he maybe shouldn't be on TV anymore.
0: (laughs) Someone, a friend of mine, has this interesting theory about the Kardashians as a family Mm and that they really like to collect orphans, kind of, and that Mm -hmm. it's like Scott doesn't really have a family. Yeah. Kanye sort of is on his own. Like, they kind of like to—I and think uh, Lamar has, like, an elderly mother, though, but she's also not super—
2: yeah, the men, they, the, the men that they the men that they collect seem to be kind of damaged, and yeah. and then Chris Jenner is this like ultra matriarch who gathers them in, and I think that makes her likable. But the problem is that they all have real problems that yeah. are not conducive to a lighthearted family reality television right. show. I don't know how long it's going to go on.
0: Yeah, I They've mean, had in your, a good it, run. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, in your piece, you quote uh, some of the ratings that you found via Forbes. Mm -hmm. And so the robbery episode, which was this past season, uh, drew in, or this season, this current season, drew in 1.58 million viewers. The episode where Chris Humphreys proposed to Kim, I mean, another person who probably, like, would benefit from some death rumors, Chris Humphreys. (laughs) Um, That captured more than 3.3 million viewers. And then the delivery of Mason... Courtney and Scott's baby mm-hmm. brought in a whopping 4.8 million viewers. So it's crazy that, yeah, again, yeah. the most traumatic thing that's happened to them yeah. is people don't want to tune into it.
2: No. And they, I think the show actually handled, um, like, Kim's robbery pretty well. Yeah. Two guys holding another guy down
3: in police uniforms, but right outside of my bedroom, five feet away. So I slid off my bed and picked up my phone, and I'm like, I don't know how to call 911 in a different country.
2: And so I, like, called Pascal, and then the guy came and grabbed the phone for me, threw me on
3: the bed. And I was like, this is it. Then the concierge that I realized was the concierge because he was handcuffed with the key to my room. What I've heard from talking to him afterwards is they said, you know, where's the rapper's wife?
2: I've thought this season has been... Well done, as far as the show goes, but I—it's not connecting with the audiences, and I really think it's because this show is meant to be a reality sitcom and yeah. not like this Shakespearean melodrama, right? Where all, where all the men just horribly fail, and it's—it's
0: it's more of like an experiment now, yeah. It's like yeah. a study in uh, the pains of humanity and getting what you want.
2: Yes, I it's think you—you
0: you wrote in your piece, and I really like this line. Uh, it's the only show I know that has grown less boring and more difficult to watch.
2: Yeah. I have been watching, but I haven't been enjoying it. Yeah. I'm going to watch The Life of Kylie, obviously. But I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) But I don't know how that's going to go either because she is also a very tragic figure. Like, she has that Bieber sort of thing where she never had a childhood. Yeah. And she never really had a chance to be a normal person. And now she's, like, the the... Premise of the show is Kylie finding out who she really is, which is just nutty when you think about it. Like, how are you going to find out who you really are while being performing this idea of yourself? It just—it's yeah. a strange premise, and I don't know if it's going to be a successful one.
0: Yeah, I don't and know. I, hate I mean, Tyga. Well-
2: I know they broke up, but I feel like he's still going to be lurking on the periphery. Right,
0: because what else does he have going on?
2: One of the darkest, darkest things about the Kardashians is how they never really acknowledge the fact that, like, the youngest child was in this extremely inappropriate sexual relationship. Right. As a child with an adult man. Yeah. It's insane to me that they've never addressed that. (laughs)
0: It's insane, but it's also very on brand for them yeah. where it's just sort of like the things that should be fucked up aren't fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then the things that aren't actually that fucked up are like a huge deal.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know how they would have addressed that without like getting in legal trouble. Yeah. But it's messed up. And now, right. now she's going off on her own and having this reality show about her life. And I'm like, you should go to therapy off
0: camera. The one place I'm sort of impressed by Kylie and mm-hmm. is that I've not seen too much of the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I recently started watching from the beginning because oh, I was yeah. like, I need to fill the void of my own life mm-hmm. <laughs> by watching these uh, horrible, crazy people. But she really did go from becoming, like, the most bland nothing of mm-hmm. the group to becoming the second most famous, I would say. Like, you know, she is really—her cosmetic empire is very successful— And all she had to do was uh, give up her childhood and buy a new face.
2: I know. I mean, she was 9 or 10 when the show started. She was like a legit small child. And she did have to buy a new face. And her old face was fine. Yeah, she was very cute. I know. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm going to tune
0: in, but I'm feeling kind of bad about it. Right. (laughs) I mean, the child has already been robbed. I know. Do you think there is a good reality show on right now for sort of— Providing what the Kardashians once gave us? I
2: don't know because I haven't really been looking. Like, I don't watch the Real Housewives. That's one thing that I need to get into. Yeah, that's I, too know, bad. I know I know. I know. There's so many of them though. I don't I know. know where to
0: start. I can curate a list for you people. Okay, want.
2: that I'd really
0: appreciate that.
2: <laughs> but I haven't really been keeping up with many of the new shows, although I am very, very curious about this show coming out called Second Wives Club. Oh, yeah.
3: Smile. The luxury of the life we live is amazing. We have amazing them. homes. I'm not sure how many bedrooms, but I really think we have 11, I think. What else can I make your life happier?
0: You could let me know if we're ever going to get married. Yeah. Have you watched it? I have not. I know uh, Hadid's father, Muhammad mm-hmm. Hadid, is uh, is on it.
2: Yes. I know that Lorenzo Lamaz's second wife is on it. Oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a story about Lorenzo Lamaz's son-in-law, and so I've, like, got into their whole family tree. And um, I love The First Wives Club. Maybe that show will be good, but I haven't <laughs> seen it. I don't know.
0: What do you think? I mean, I'm for any kind of experimentation mm-hmm. in reality TV mm-hmm. um, beyond just, like, the literal Hunger Games. yeah. It's kind of one of those things where if you're, like, willing to put yourself in that position, mm-hmm. I tend to, like, it absolves my guilt a little bit. It, mm-hmm. The exception, of course, is, like, when it's kids. Yeah. But I don't know. What I think is interesting is Shiva, mm-hmm. Muhammad's fiancé, mm-hmm. will be his third wife. Oh, how'd she get in there then? Right? She, like, snuck right in. That's not right. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also still going to watch that, though. One of the best parts of... Um, Muhammad also shows up on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills pretty frequently, mm-hmm. both because his ex, Yolanda, and his good friend, Lisa Vanderpump, mm-hmm. are part of it. And what I really loved is when he first started showing up, he had this very beautiful brunette girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one day she was just switched out for, like, another beautiful brunette girlfriend who is the one who's going to be on, Wait, who's on so Second wife Club. Wait, she got,
2: like, reality show Aunt viv
0: Yeah, like, she did. <laughs> Where it was just like— Muhammad's girlfriend, and then like the next season, that's cool. He appeared with like a slightly prettier version, and it was like Mohammed's fiance. What if it was just her with a new face though, and a new name? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she it could rebranded. be.
2: Yeah, The Second Wife's Club is like the only one that I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna watch that when it comes out." I haven't been, I haven't been keeping uh, tabs on the upcoming shows as yeah. much as I perhaps should.
0: Well, and something you touch on mm. in your uh, piece is. Mm. Perhaps, like, the best example of a reality show that's really a tragedy mm-hmm. is Pretty Wild. Oh, man, yeah.
2: And actually, so so Pretty Wild only ran for one season, and oh, it, was, no. <laughs> it was also on E!, and the two girls who were sort of— their version of the Kardashian sisters were like literal drug addicts. Alexis and, and Tess. Alexis and Tess. It's
3: the series premiere of Pretty Wild. Three sisters raising hell in the city of angels. And now a sweet peek of what's coming up this season.
2: Bam! Say it to me. Mwah. I love you, girl. LAPD. What? It's a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But so I, like, keep
0: tabs on what they're doing now and they're
2: doing so well i'm very happy for them
0: yeah they're both clean it turns out it turns out they were both doing like black tar heroin while they were on the show
2: and alexis is a doula yes and she has a baby she also has a
0: tattoo of her own face on her arm
2: as one does yes (laughs) and then tess is Apparently, also a mom, and she like farms and stuff. I only
0: know that because I yeah, look at her in Instagram. Yeah, oh, she is. Yeah, because <laughs> that's where her birth mom okay. lives. Well, I didn't know where where she was, but see, well, it's I like was... they went from like being the masterminds of the Bling Ring mm-hmm. to uh, being just like normal successes, which is like again the best you can hope for a kid who was homeschooled based on lessons from The Secret. Yeah, and. Like
2: given Adderall for yes. no reason. Like I look at them and I since I loved Pretty Wild so much and I've always been so curious what happened to them, I would love to see a Pretty Wild 2, not so wild anymore. Right. But they're they're not gonna do that pretty because mild. they're yeah, pretty wild. <laughs> but they're not gonna do that because they're well adjusted people now. And well adjusted people generally don't have reality television shows.
0: Kate, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Oh, it was a pleasure. I like what you have to say. So last Friday, I, along with my producer Levi Sharp, went down to Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, uh, the border of Bed-Stuy and Crown Heights, which is the new storefront for the Tanya Harding Nancy Kerrigan 1994 Museum, which you might remember from our special Tanya Harding episode. And it's run by Viviana Olin and Matt Harkins, who we interviewed back then and were an absolute delight. Their newest exhibit, which is... (laughs) A celebration of Kim Cattrall based entirely on this YouTube video of her scatting to her then husband playing stand up bass.
3: I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass. Yamakipiebo, setere in dog Latin, he quotes, UJ, Savasore! Well, he bit all the he-dogs and winked at all the she-dogs. The town never knew such a hollabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that day.
0: And it is so much fun, and it's really, really funny. And so here is a little audio tour of their space.
3: Welcome, welcome. Yeah, there Abo to you. you. Hi, you guys. Thank what a you. space.
0: So we're at an amazing new space, the new Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan Museum. You're maybe picking up some truck sounds and that's because it's on bustling Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Right under the LIRR. Right beneath the, conveniently beneath the LIRR.
1: Yeah, if you want to jet away, just jump on the train and go. Yeah, and I'm with my two I'm going to say best friend. I think so. Is uh, it weird? I've been texting you so much.
2: I, know, I love it. Is that
1: okay? Yeah, it's totally okay.
0: Uh, we are here with Viviana and Matt, who, friends of the podcast, have been on our only repeat guests so far. <gasps> wow. What? That which means something. Okay. Um, I'm surrounded by Kim Cattrall art, which mm-hmm. means I maybe died and went to heaven.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: Modeled after what we imagine... Her non-primary terre might look like. Sure. She, she bought it in the 90s, and yeah. then she's just been filling it with the art that people have sent her over the years. Just the fan just art, which just she just understands. Yeah, yeah, very uh,
0: Goldie Hawn and First Wise Club.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, she would never throw art away because it's her face on it.
0: Yes, right. That would mm-hmm. be, like, blasphemy.
1: Yeah. Um, and we actually, our photo booth here, we ask when you take a picture in the photo booth that you face Kim... And then we take a picture of the back of your head because it's not about you. It's about Kim. Right. Also, also I mean, everybody's trying to steal your face now, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we don't want to like be a part of that. So That's fair. It's a safe space. Like,
0: why would you want to remember your own, your own visage?
1: I want to remember the idea of my face. <laughs> 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 and the idea of my face is beautiful. Right,
0: exactly. Like, you can just imagine what it looked like. Mm-hmm. You can imagine that I'm in full face makeup. Yeah, we do have, speaking of makeup, a painting of Kim Cattrall with a chemical peel. And I yes.
4: do think it would be fun when people come to face swap with it.
1: We that had a little bit of that in our last one. exhibit, and
4: I
0: think it's very fun when people is do face that. face
1: swapping still a thing, though? I mean, probably not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is also, it's from like a very iconic um, Sex in the City episode where mm-hmm. she... Uh, gets like way too into dermatology and mm-hmm. she ends up getting a chemical feel that makes her look like raw meat, basically. Yeah,
4: somebody recommends that she do this and she does it. And then when she walks outside, uh, she notices everyone screaming and running away from her. And so she doesn't tells Carrie, I'm not going to go to your book party. But then she has this brave moment where she comes out and she wears this beekeeper veil and it's just immortalized here, which I don't even think you need to have seen sex in the city to see this painting and think that it's very, very cool.
1: Could you at least separate the two thoughts
3: Gary's publicist why did you do this it was an impulse purchase no, no gum is an impulse purchase this is more than gum i wanted to be super fresh for the party well you are you look like beef carpaccio Failed down i think no. If you knew how many dinner parties I've sat through across from one of these, and you were able to eat, it's very
0: good. And this is by Lauren Collins, who does a lot of really.
3: Laura Collins, yeah.
0: Yeah, she it's she does a lot of very good like pop culture art. I said Laura. I'm sorry.
1: The thing about the Laura Collins pieces is you can see them and they're amazing. The moments she chooses, but when you see them in person, it's a whole different experience. It's like it's like alive. You know what I mean? Is that weird? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think emotional weird.
0: there's like a lot of depth yeah also um this book party this is like uh this is when carrie first starts dating burger right
1: oh burger he has a he was my her, type. but he comes anyway
0: he also was my type which was a real oh bummer. my god
1: yeah that's we're just oh, yeah i've <laughs>
4: been watching like a lot of clips of uh any actress on that show and sarah jessica parker was on watch what happens live asked what her least favorite, who her least favorite boyfriend was. She said burger. (gasps) And then there was a Kim Cattrall clip that was very good because they were talking about the episode when there's uh, the young kids who are acting too old for their age. Yes. And he asked, Andy asked if um, there's anything she ever said no to. And apparently that episode, they wanted her to have a competition with this 13-year-old for a guy. And she was just like, I'm not going to do that with a 13-year-old.
0: That's actually very controlled
4: of Kim Cattrall. I feel like she, these things you don't really know that like are behind the scenes, but it's like, you know, she's, has, she really cares about that character yeah. and she's like steering it and making sure it happens the right way.
1: Um, but we have some amazing pieces on this wall. Um, there's three by Laura Collins. The other scene is her bidding at Christie's.
0: I never noticed it was 69 on her paddle, which is very clever. How
1: great is that? Yeah. It's like they went for it. They're like, well, what number? We have to think of a good number, like 69. We had to come <laughs> up with a number for the TV screen. And then Matt's like, what's an important number? And I was like, 33, that's how old Jesus was when he was, you know, um, crucified. (laughs) That seemed like a (laughs) true, true. We got that. Important number. Yes. So we chose that. (laughs) Uh, You're not wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, worthy of, you know, worthy of the subject. Yeah. So you guys are both wearing chambray or denim shirts mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. khaki uh, pants mm-hmm. to sort of commemorate mm-hmm. uh, Kim in this video where she uh, reads poetry and sonnets. That with is her. what she is wearing. Then husband Mark.
1: Then husband Mark on the upright base. Um, and here's what I'll say about the denim and khaki. Well, we were putting, we were putting this exhibit together and it was, we had moved at the same time and we both work at Sizzle Pie, this um, pizza place as well. So we didn't have a lot of time. So we were throwing, we were so stressed, running around. It was crazy. I went to Target because I knew I had to get my denim and khaki and I put it on and I just, res- I was relaxed. It yeah. Like it was like it's a lifestyle,
0: and, and khaki is a
1: lifestyle. Oh my god! When you, it's the Yamaki Piebo vibe, and once you kind of like go into that wormhole, like I mean, relax, you know, sit back. What are you going to do? It's not your business, you know. Right. It's, You're just we gonna, invite you, you here, here for that. That. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah.
0: Talk about the he dogs and she dogs.
1: Yeah, because it makes no sense. It does not need to. You just love the sound of your own voice. And I relate to that, so um, it's a hard world out there today, and I I feel like this is just a cool little oasis for a few minutes, sure, and then get back out on the that L I R R, you know,
0: yeah, go back to Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: here's a, from what you came.
0: here's what I feel like is a really important question, both uh, factually and spiritually. Mm. Um, So, Yama Kippievo is a line from her beautiful, iconic scat Mm -hmm, poem. mm -hmm. Um, Did that particular line present itself to you as the title of this exhibit, or did you go through it and be like, do we want to call it? the he dogs and she dogs do we want to call it oh, in latin question. quote he
4: it's very interesting to see what people latch on to which part yeah. of the video um when we first watched it we immediately latched on to yamakipiebo only because it was like a language we could text with each other uh we could walk around the apartment just going yamakipiebo um and we did that for a full week so that was like our in mm-hmm. but people come in and um they're more attached to Safa hooray yeah which, which is, is shouted she's shouting yeah
1: I, I, that forget the Myers-briggs test that tells you who you are it you does. know because I I meet these office people and I'm like whoa <laughs> okay you know it's fabulous um, um, that reminds me of this other piece of art I'd like to show you this was done by a stranger who lives in Sydney Australia and he did a Spotify playlist. <gasps> You know, the Spotify playlist where um, the titles of the songs spell things out. And he did the entire uh, script. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? It is amazing. She Dogs. There's a song called She Dogs. I mean, when you think, uh, we feel like art is really, um, it's it's when somebody puts a lot of love into things. And this is, I mean, this had, how did this, so many titles. Yeah, and just like there's a song that's
0: called The Hullabaloo.
1: I, I want to listen to that. I feel like this is if you listen to this straight through, like all these rhythms that you—this is like what you kill yourself to.
0: Yeah, it really is like would be this, the the soundtrack of a manic breakdown.
1: So yeah, so that when you have an, a manic breakdown and, uh, and an episode, then go ahead and um, find that playlist. <laughs>
0: Um, can we just actually just walk around the museum and have you explain just it, just piece by piece? Oh,
1: we would love that. Um, Matt built this. He's he's the king of the papier mache, um, and we wanted to just kind of to have all of her moments. So the videos that loop here are of course the original source material, followed directly by Yamakibiebo, a celebration of Kim Katral on ice, which was conceived and directed by Tommy Doo, who I know from Facebook. And he's actually a figure skater. Him and his crew for Disney on Ice were on the road. And he had somebody... Do an original song for it, and um, which remix this? It's like so Ray, and then it's like it's like a club mix. It's so great, and then this fabulous figure skater Maria Starr, um, did the dance. It's like Robin. Uh, it's like uh, the lights. It's so fabulous. It's gonna come in in a second, and then lighting. And, oh, they had a, oh, it's that it's so technically fabulous. Here it is. Should we watch for a second?
3: Yeah, I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass.
1: That's like a
0: real figure skater. This is
1: a real figure skater. And this is a real song. And it's so real and beautiful. And the lights are so beautiful. We just have a
0: good rhythm together. It's almost too good. You know what I mean? It goes back to, like, where you guys got your start, which is...
1: Exactly. Tanya Harding
0: and Nancy Kerrigan. Because I think we
1: connect... I connected with him because he was a figure skater who had, like, met Nancy Kerrigan and stuff. He's also a comedian. And... um, Nothing felt more full circle and also way beyond anything we should be attached to because it's so good, you know, um, than that. This is, of course, um, Kim's defining moment where a teapot saved her life. Matt um, likes this
3: one a lot. This is a story about how shopping saved my life. I was in London and I was doing looping, dubbing for a film I had done with Richard Lester called The Return of the Musketeers. And um, I was booked on a flight, Pan Am 103. And at the last minute before I took off to the airport, I decided to take another flight because I had neglected to go to Harrods and buy my mother a teapot. And that teapot saved my life because when we landed in New York, on the flight that I had taken 45 minutes after the Pan Am flight had taken off, we found out that the plane had gone down. Pan American Flight 103. That's the jumbo jet that crashed last night near the town of Lockerbie in Scotland. There were 258 people on board. All of them were killed. It was a big tragedy, which was avoided by my mom's teapot, which is cherished. I'm Kim Cattrall, and that was my defining moment. Oh my God. Everyone's crying. crying. It's a priming, we wanted to like put
4: in, I mean, obviously the, the celebration of Kim Cattrall on ice is so great because it's sort of em- emblematic of the whole museum, which is this video that people love so much mm-hmm. that they will create this whole tribute to it and we'll all know what it is. But then these other videos also proof that she just needs to be on television more than she is. It's insane that she's not on TV more.
0: No, she's uh,
4: magnetic. Yeah, everything she does, every, like, this is just from some Canadian television show. Then there's another clip coming up from Architectural Digest, and she just makes all of these total magic.
0: All right, and then we have the uh, gift shop.
1: This is the administration desk slash gift shop. Um, you'll see, here's, um, so we have some collectibles. We have the aura spray from our last exhibit. This is a vegan aura spray of Kylie Jenner's aura. It's Kylie Jenner's aura smells like guava cucumber and glitter i'll just go ahead and spray this it's by um it's vegan so so you're good you know Um,
0: it's not meat spray
1: (laughs) um then of course that's also available on our website or here in here uh we also have the olsen twins heidi from dinosaurs a retro metal lunch box
0: it's a lunch box you could bring your office uh sandwich in there that's for the
1: kids if you want your kid to be the coolest kid in school that's what that is
0: because all of the kids will get it. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> They're not going to be beat up at all. <laughs> um, and this, of course, is our witchy fashion twins poly chiffon unisex kimono, which is really our adventure into athleisure.
0: Um, um, that's beautiful.
1: This is an indoor and an outdoor kimono, which we feel is really fabulous. It can be belted or not. Um, Matt likes to wear it not belted. It's really more of the more masculine look. But really, however you feel most comfortable. you
0: It has the Olsen twins. Artistic renditions of the Olsen twins facing each other, mm-hmm. like two storms, you know.
1: Oh my God! They're that's just beautiful. two
0: hurricanes
4: about to collide. We always like to say that they, when they communicate with each other, it looks like they're talking in photos, but really it just sounds like two buoys dinging back and forth, like in a distance.
2: Yeah.
4: So it's like hopefully that will happen like, <laughs> when you wear the kimono.
0: That um, is poetry, much like the work of Kim Control.
1: This, of course, is um, the plate we talked at great lengths about. Um, and the last time we were on your podcast and you purchased something from the store and you forgot to purchase the plate. And so I just send that along for you. So how do you like it? I actually
0: genuinely use it almost every day. You
1: don't eat off it, right? I do. Okay. You really can't. (laughs) You really can't do it.
0: It literally says not for
1: food use, may poison food. I told you that. I said, don't. You said
0: don't put any hot stews on it is what you said. (laughs) I was. What she said is, "Don't put any hot stews on it," which I thought I could still get away with, like a bagel.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to say that her stuff was poison, but it's a decorative plate.
0: You know what? If this is how I go out, I will gladly go out that way. <laughs> Please speak at my funeral, and I want, I want, I want someone to do this. Stand-up. I'm
1: not going down for this, Madeline. <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: I want someone to do the stand-up face uh, routine. I also got this Trust mug. It, can I play drink play. out of... I got a mug the with mug, the Olsen... Awesome the mugs,
1: of course, are mugs. Those are fine. Okay. It's just
0: the place. Thank God I'm only half dead. <laughs> um, oh I God, will, I nothing
1: happens to I
0: will tell my roommate that <laughs> as soon as I
4: can help. To be fair, I have eaten off of it.
1: This is... now we start in the art. Um, so this first is a series of drawings and a painting by Lila Freeman. It's called... Kim hesitates, you know, and this really, when we saw it, we were like, whoa, you know. It's genuinely gorgeous. It's genuinely gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm
0: not being like ironic. Fun. Like they're like, these are really beautiful drawings beautiful. and paint. And it's paintings. emotional.
1: It makes you like think, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: The final one, which is, uh, it's most of them look like they're charcoal on paper or mm. uh, gra- mm. uh, graphite on paper. China Marker. China marker. Mm. And then the final one is uh, fully realized with paint. And it's very emotional. Like, you can see, like, the angst in Kim's face as she... Um, scats about he dogs and she dogs. Well, that's why the video is so great because she's committed 100% to just yeah. nailing this poem. Has she ever done anything that she's not committed 100% no, to? No, absolutely,
1: absolutely not. not.
0: <laughs> no, no, she's she's fully in it.
1: Okay, so this is the tarot deck by Rosa Escondon. She did an entire Major Arcana deck. This is, and um, we change it out every day. So this mm. is today's reading. Um, but we also have merch alert you can pre-order a deck as well um, to actually do readings with and it's very chic and what i want you to do is i want you to give a little shuffle put your energy into it and then put it there and then cut it once the emperor oh that's i got the emperor
4: and what's what is that from witness for the prosecution that was a very recent kim cattrall uh starring role on that program
1: the Emperor, <clears throat> a card of stability and structure. The Emperor stands tall and in charge, like Kim's character and witness of the prosecution. And what this means for you Ooh. is that you're in a place where you have like more responsibility, and you, um, the, uh, you're lots happening at once, and you're not shaken from it. You are, as long as you lean into. Um, just your strength uh, and that's so generic but it's like at a time right now you just have to keep on coming back to that and not doubt yourself and uh, cause you're you're killing it and you're, and you're gonna do great so that's what that card means I'm a little psychic that's
0: not um, I'm not being bullshit here that's really true to my life right now <laughs> so thank you Yama Kibiebo Yama Kibiebo Yama Kibiebo Thank you so much for listening to DirtCast, and thank you to Kate Nibbs, Viviana Olin, and Matt Harkins. Yama Kipiebo, a celebration of Kim Cattrall, runs at the museum until June 3rd, so please get in on that if you can. It is located at 1436 Atlantic Avenue, and it's open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or by appointment. Also, just to uh, give a little plug to an event that I'm participating in. This Friday, May 19th at 7 p.m., Viviana and Matt are hosting a Real Housewives Symposium at the museum. Tickets are on sale at their Facebook page. It only costs, I think, like $5, so there's really no excuse besides you don't live in New York and you're not willing to fly in to hear me talk about Ramona Singer, which I understand, though I am disappointed. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Dries. Madana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. Want to send us a tip or let us know what you think? Hit us up at DirtCast at Jezebel.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.